the owner of realestateinvestor.com is our special guest today on the W2 Capitalist podcast. I kind of want to know, I'm super jealous of that domain and having ownership of that domain. I kind of want to know what he had to pay to get that. I want to know. I didn't ask him. Maybe I should. Maybe I should follow up and just find out. I don't know. Is that rude? Is it kind of rude to ask, hey, what'd you pay for that domain? <laughs> anyway. We talk about a lot of stuff today. We talk about where Robert's journey started, where it is today. And we get into this topic of a different type of cash flowing. I, I struggle to call it an asset because almost every one of you listening to this is going to call it a liability. But we talk about how he's purchasing cars that are cash flowing. Stay tuned. capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. What's up, y'all? My name is Jay Helms, founder of this movement and podcast known as the W2 Capitalist. Today, I have a very special guest with us, Mr. Robert Seifert. Robert, I got that right, right? You did. All right. Even though you gave it to me just five minutes ago, hey, man, make sure you pronounce my name correctly. Here's how you do it. So thank you for that. And Robert is the co-founder and chief visionary at Real Estate Investor com. I am super jealous of that domain name, but you're also the founder of Investor PO, Property List Manager, and USA Portfolio Real Estate. Robert is an innovator in the real estate investment industry who creates software tools and services that enable real estate investors to do things better and faster. He's passionate about being part of the solution and finding answers to the problems that hold real estate investors back from growing and scaling their business. Robert, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, Jay. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. So I, I am a, a fan, a follower, uh, a stalker or whatnot on uh, social media. And when I found you, I was like, all right, I've got to talk to this guy, right? And for several reasons, uh, number one, you always... And I know we were talking a minute ago, you've, you have a flight later this afternoon. So you're kind of in casual clothes and you're, you're, you know, getting ready to travel. But every picture I see of you on social media, I mean, you're dressed to the nines, man. You, you've got the suit on, you're looking sharp. You, you know, I'm not one of those guys. I own one suit. It was a suit I got married in like 10 years ago. I think that's right. Yes. <laughs> Better be right. Or hopefully your wife doesn't watch this episode. She doesn't really tune in that much. <laughs> You're safe. Uh, anyway, so the other thing about you, and this is, this is leading somewhere, right, is that you also have these big shiny cars, right? And I'm not a cars guy, right? And I look at cars and suits and all this stuff, and I'm I'm just not that flashy. And typically, and, and typically when I see that, I think of like Grant Cardone, right? And I don't know, it just, sometimes it turns me off, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing all that, because as me as a W2 capitalist, I'm like, all right, I, I'm not focused on, 
on shiny objects, looking amazing everywhere I go, right? I am focused on cash flow and building wealth. And I don't necessarily see buying those really expensive things um, part of that. But I've never been a car guy. I've never, never really, I've always, all right, does it get me from point A to point B? Great. And I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna have any trouble out of it. But so for a guy like me, right, kind of give you where I'm stand on that, talking to a guy like you, help me understand and help me try to relate to the fancy cars and the, and the nice suits and all that stuff that comes with, with Robert Cipher's persona. Ooh, uh, okay. I'm going to unpack this in the shortest possible way I can. Okay. <laughs> Cause there's a long story that would lead up into that whole thing. Right. Um, so number one, if you were to like scroll back six months or so in my social media channel, you'd find a lot more stuff. Yeah. Um, I will say I did. I did. Yeah. There, there is, it's almost like there is uh, a, like a switch was turned on. I was like, okay, something happened here. And I noticed you got, you joined some sort of mastermind and stuff like that. And I got to tell myself the story that, it's because you went to that and, and all this, but anyway, you, you tell, yeah. you tell the story. Tell so a simple answer. I I'll start with, I'm 100% exactly the same thought process that you have. I'm all about cash flow. I'll actually come back to cars in a second. Okay. Um, how you turn a liability into an asset Okay. Uh, <laughs> right now. Um, but I, but I'm also a car guy. I grew up in the motor city in Detroit. I'm not from Tampa to where I live, but I, born and raised, love cars, have raced Camaros, Mustangs, built a Mustang. Like my dad built a Camaro when he was a kid. Like I love cars. Right. So that's a, that's an easy one to answer. You'll always have, have Rolls Royce Wraith on my vision board. It's, you know, these are some of the things that inspire and motivate me, right. Part of my why to go get up and do and create cash flow. Like, can I create enough cash flow? Cash flow pays for that thing. Can I create another business that has the cash flow to pay for that thing? So for me, they're um, symbolic in a sense of I've accomplished something. That thing is nothing more than that. I'll come back to that in a second because I've learned something more recently. The suits. Now, here's the interesting thing about the suits. So before I got into real estate and cash flow, I wanted to do cash flow my whole life. I watched the Russ Whitney commercial when I was 18 and then I never did anything because I grew up, get a good, good grades, get a good job, pursue yeah. a career. That's it. And so I wanted to do real estate and never did it for over a decade. Um, I got the last career that I had before I got into real estate. I thankfully the owner was a financial firm and he taught us think and grow rich law of success. And in that one of the things that are the, the 15 laws of success are dressed to impress. So he very much taught us like it was the first custom shirt I ever had. And most of the executives had their closet was nothing but custom suits and custom shirts and custom everything down to the T. And the thought process there was you have to dress the part of who you want to become. In that case, we were people who managed your money. So are you going to trust some guy in some sandals and T-shirt? No, you probably should because he probably has a bunch of money, right? That's the funny part. Um, But when we're first, the first impression that someone has of that is, I don't, I don't know if I should trust millions of dollars I have with this person. Right. But if I'm dressed of someone that looks like money, 
then you're more likely to be open to the conversation we have. So suits started back then, but here's the interesting thing. I'm actually, this is my more normal everyday wear. I'm <laughs> t-shirts and sandals is typical every day, all day wear for me. So the suits, um, style go when I, I left that career to go all into real estate, it's been about eight years now, maybe. Um, when I first started making relationships in real estate, I actually would, one of my first guys that, uh, it wasn't even a mentor, but he kind of was a mentor. He was a local guy. He ran a, ran a huge operation, um, up in Michigan and he would always show up in like a, a, a polo shirt, maybe, uh, and yeah. some khaki shorts. And I would always show up to our lunch or our breakfast in a suit. Like I, I don't know <laughs> what I wore for seven years. It was my wardrobe, right? I had tons of suits. And he would always, he finally started cracking jokes. Like, why, why do you always show up? In a suit? Like, you don't have to impress me. And I'm like, oh, I honestly, at this point, I, I'd wake up, I throw on a suit. I don't think anything about it. So it actually took probably like the first year of doing real estate where I finally started. All right, well, I guess I could put on a short sleeve dress shirt with very tailored looking shorts and professional yeah. looking. And then I started to get more and more comfortable and, and allowed myself to come out. Now the shift you see on social media and why you see a lot of those pictures and you'll see moving forward, there's way more of the other part of me coming out. I, I started getting, um, as real estate investor.com and investor PO and property list manager led into it started, um, building massive momentum in the space. So I was wearing shorts, t-shirts and sandals all the time. <laughs> got, to, got opportunities to start speaking on stage. Um, because of my products and naturally now I actually had no more suits at that point. I had one suit in the closet. <laughs> I didn't need suits, didn't care about them. I had them for a special occasion. I went and bought uh, one spoke on stage and I, I felt the, I just, I just felt different with the suit on. Um, I felt like people wanted to listen more than being comfortable. Right. So it, it's like almost like an alter ego. There's a great book called the alter ego that I read. And it's kind of like that, like that is one persona that I need to, employee. And then the other, there is another persona on me too. And they're both me, right. Yeah. And they're just different fits. So the suits started coming out because I went and I established probably about seven months ago, I realized personal branding and onsite awareness of yourself is a massive thing. Now, while guys like you and me mostly aren't attracted to stuff like that, we see that as the, uh, you know, cause I see guys with like super fancy cars and going crazy with those pictures and like, yeah, I would never be appealed to that. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's almost an instant turnoff for me, but with you is a little different. Cause I, I, I did scroll back and I saw this like, all right, he got some coaching, something happened. And he saw that this was a move that he needed to go toward. Right. So yeah. sorry. It's the eyeballs, right? So the, in social media, um, what I've learned, and is, is you have to attract eyeballs. Well, the majority of people on social media, aren't you and I, we're out creating cash flow Most of the time we're on social media, but not the way the majority of people are. Right? So if I look at the 80, 20 rule, 80% of the people that are spending their time on social media are looking for inspiration. That kind of stuff inspires them because they see a life of cash flow mm. and a lifestyle that they want to live. Right now, you'll see more of my family starting to come into that stuff. There's going to be more videos that are more me and my real persona. And some of that's there, but it's not. It, we're making a point to make a big shift coming up here in the next week with. Yeah, uh, I've been shooting a lot of stuff in regular clothes, <laughs> being followed around with cameras now to be like, they, we need more of not my suit life. My suit life is the stage guy. Like that doesn't need to be every day, all day, yeah. all over the place. Um, but that's what happened. Right. So I went and 
had a global branding expert was like, I need you dressed to the T. I went, I actually went all those, most of those are, I went and said, well, I know how to go get custom tailored clothes and it's been a long time and it feels really good. So we did a whole photo shoot and a whole bunch of stuff. And so that's what a lot of what you see on there. Matter of fact, most of the, uh, one of the cars is, well, actually the couple cars that you see on there aren't my cars. They're cars that I've um, considered getting and good friends of mine have them. Right. And, and my, my appeal was like, man, I really like cars, but could I, I don't want to just go buy cars and be flashy. Um, but then I, as I've learned more about social media, it's even more like, yeah, but if it's really you and it's really something you have, someone else wants that too. And yeah. so those people got to find a way to connect to you. And then once they connect to you, right, whatever that is, then they'll listen and, and do. So we're actually going to put a lot more videos for guys like you to say, look, it's not just all about flat. This, this is what you see. That's, that's where I'm at. That isn't the struggle and the journey that got me here. It isn't the thing that I'm focused on behind. It isn't how I build businesses and it isn't how I create that. Let me show you the family side, the why that drives all of this and cars. Interestingly enough, most recently, because I've been around more car people, um, I've learned, uh, I just learned a new way and it's not a new way. So it's, you know, Toro. A lot, I, I didn't know yeah. what Toro was. And tons of people knew it. And one of my friends was like, dude, I'm building a whole nother business out of this and buying more cars. I'm like, what, what do you mean buying more cars? You're like, because I'm making money, more money off of my cash flow on cars on Toro than I am on my house portfolio. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Then he broke it down for me. I said, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go buy some of the cars right now. You just showed me. I don't care about these cars. They don't mean anything to me. So I'm not emotional. It's not like, like I said, they're just, some of them are symbolic. They're not, Yeah. they symbolize like a, a trophy I won. Right. And if it can make me cash flow, now I'm going to go get the trophy right now. I just found another cash flow. And that's <laughs> what you were talking about earlier. That's how you turn a liability into an asset, right? Yes. So, and we're, we're talking about, and, and I recently was introduced to Toro. I, I've never done anything on there um, on either side. Right, I've yeah. never leased or rented or whatever. <laughs> um, but we're not necessarily talking about your Toyota Camrys that are on there, right? I mean, we're talking about high-end vehicles, uh, Tesla's. And, and so that's, that's how far I get out of it. Right. I don't know what a high end vehicle is. I mean, Lamborghini, you. you know, so this is kind of, let me throw it back to you. What kind of, what kind of vehicles on Toro actually make, make you the money, right? Yeah. So what got me appealed is I had ordered, um, so I'm normally not the, like the Wraith is a totally different, like high-end luxury, high-end sports. Never heard of it. Car. Yeah, well, <laughs> Rolls Royce, right? Okay. So most of them I don't like because they're just too, like too big and too luxurious. This one happens to be one I found where I'm like, wow, that's the epitome of luxury mixed with sports. And I'm a sports car guy. And I'm, and I'm more specifically not a fancy Ferrari Lamborghini guy. Like they're cool, but I love Corvettes, Camaros, Mustangs, where I grew up, right? Gotcha. So that's what, yeah. that's what I know. I grew up like two miles from the Ford mansion and the Ford estate. So, wow. So, but I had, so I had already pre-ordered um, a Corvette uh, earlier. Well, sometime last year, it'll come in sometime in the next year and a half, whenever they build it. Um, but once I, and I actually just turned down an opportunity to buy one. And then a week later I was sitting with a friend, real estate friend, and we were talking about real estate and he started telling me about this Toro thing. I'm like, well, <laughs> I heard about Toro. You just go rent cars on there. Right. He's like, yeah, but I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm renting them out and I'm making more money. <laughs> I am real estate. I'm like, how is that possible? 
And so he broke down. So like the cars, so here's the interesting thing. Cars, like maybe not a Toyota Camry, but it probably does do really well. Um, but Jeep Wranglers, for instance, are one of the top rented cars from all the data Toro has. And so it, it give you an example of an ROI as breaking it down. And this is where I'm headed with it. Um, Jeep Wranglers will probably generate, you know, a few thousand dollars a month in rental income. And mind wow. you, the payment, if you bought a used one, slightly used, certified, pre-owned, right? A couple years old, your payment's probably only a couple hundred bucks a month. So think of just like a house I can leverage. This thing's got like way more ROI potential, right? And that's just a Wrangler. Then you take what I'm doing from once he showed me that, yes, the if I got a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, and I'm, I'm looking at some because only because, but I'm looking at the math, right? Like he's looking at he oh, yeah. wants those sexy cars <laughs> and he wants to like, he has the flashy car and it pays for itself. Right. And that's what a lot of people can, you can do that with Toro. So I could go buy a Lamborghini and a Lamborghini, for instance, is going to rent for some of them rent for like, uh, depending on the year and the age, um, you know, a thousand to $1,500 a day. And so even if that rents out 10 days out of the month, you've tripled what it costs you to buy one of those cars. Right? Yeah. And so that's cool. But then I, I, he started giving me the list of cars that are the hottest, what they can make. You know, some of them are eight, 10,000 a month. Lamborghinis, Ferraris could be as high as 20, 25,000. And when you're in a certain market, right? Like we're in right. Tampa, yeah. high tourist, Miami being another one, you know, Dallas or Austin, you know, certain areas are going to do really, really well for this type of model. Um, so I actually looked at like something I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I have an appointment when I come back home to go look at these, uh, they're called slingshots. Um, they, they're like three wheel, like Batmobile yeah. looking cars, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, they're super sexy. They rent for a couple hundred dollars a day. And when I looked it up, I can buy one for like 25 grand. I'm like, <laughs> it. this is like buying the dirt cheap house. And I'm, I'm potentially going to get four to $6,000 a month. And they, they don't, they're, they're just nonstop in Orlando and Tampa and Miami. Like they get rented like crazy. And when he told me about that, I'm like, you know what? We were just at a quarterly meeting for my company and the rental house next to us in Orlando, they had three of those things sitting out front the whole week we were there. <laughs> and then they were all rentals. Like, so I, you know, like, wait a minute. So, so I'm looking at from, he wants to go buy the Lamborghinis Ferraris. Now I, I'm, I actually have two Corvettes I'm trying to order right now because if I can get a brand new Corvette now, which by the way, they're super hard to find, but <laughs> I, those will, those are super hot right now. So they'll, they'll make uh, between 12 and $15,000 a month and it'll cost me about 1500 a month, maybe 2000, including all the insurance. So I, I want to interrupt you right there. I want to make sure people yeah. are staying tuned into this because what you just said is, is, Pretty freaking incredible. I mean, you know, the slingshots, we passed one yesterday. We went to the beach for a sunset little picnic with the kids. And there was a, there was a couple in one of them, you know, taking the selfies and doing all this stuff. And I was like, man, who bet they rented it on Batoro? They, well, they had to rent it. And, and there, I think there might be a, like a place down here, but I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, um, we live in a place where Jeep Wranglers are, are I mean, we're, we're right on the beach. We're, we're, we're not right on the beach. We're hot. as the Eagle flies two miles from the beach, right? Yep. Who wouldn't want a Jeep when they come to the yep. beach, right? And number one. So I, I don't know. I, I'm sitting here thinking, and I used to have one. And then we started having kids and it's the most unpractical vehicle ever. And I was like, you know what? For the better of the family, we're going to get rid of it. You know, we're going to sell it, whatnot. 
we did. And I, ever since then it's kind of bugged me that I did just the way the whole transaction went down. It was, it was with a used car sales guy and he was a traditional, I mean, he called me on the way to the delivery of the vehicle. And he was like, man, I just, you know, I just found out I've got to do this, this, and this to be able to transfer that thing over. I'm going to, I'm going to have to take a thousand dollars off of what I offered you. Yeah. I bet I you like, did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was in a mood, like I was just, I was kind of done with it and ready to move on. And I was like, all right, I take, but that has bothered me ever since then. Uh -huh. But here, Here's what I want folks to listen in and I'll try to stay focused on this and not chase another rabbit is as real estate investors, we talk about how here recently, how hot the market is. There's, there are no deals to be had or anything like that. But if you pay attention to what Robert just said, there are other ways to make money, right? And not only is it a higher ROI, but you have a less uh, entry point. You have a less financial entry point to get into it. So I want you to pay attention to what he's talking about here and, and, and think about this and, and research it. You know, I don't know what Toro requires from insurance and all this other stuff or what your insurance requires if you're on Toro, but I don't know. I, I, there is something there that uh, I will be exploring here pretty soon. And, and um, the fact is, the fact of the matter is, is we, we will get to use the Jeep when it's not <laughs> being yes. rented out. You know what I mean? So uh, that is, that is very interesting, a very, very creative way to continue to generate some cash flow and in the market that we're in. So uh, thank you for, for planting that seed uh, with well, us there. That, that's incredible. And like real estate, once I got taught it, it's really, if you think about it from a real estate perspective, besides the yeah. cash, like that's the sexy part to me too, is like, yeah. wow, math is crazy. Um, and why would I buy a Lambo when I could buy like eight slingshots? Uh, <laughs> like, so that's, that's where my head went, right? And, but, the, but the, the truth is really where the concept comes from and to want to talk about real entry point is, is Airbnb with cars. Mm -hmm. So that's all it is like, right. People buy houses they want to yep. live in the lifestyle they want. And then they rent them out Airbnb and make money off of a house when they're not using it. Yep. Same thing with cars. So the real entry point is what, if you're on here and you own a Jeep Wrangler right now, but you don't drive it all the time. Maybe you're working virtually now and you used to drive to work every single day, just test out putting it on Toro and see there if it go. gets rented. And when it gets rented, this is what happened to my friend. He put a car on there and he was like, dude, it got booked for four days for <laughs> and I instantly went and bought 10 more cars. Like he was hooked. Right. And so that you could test it with, and by the way, you could test it with whatever car you own. If you're not driving it every day, just go look at what those cars online are renting for in your area. Look up Toro, right. And from insurance, Toro has all the built-in insurance, which is cool too. So like, yeah, you have to have an insured vehicle. Most states require that anyways, but when someone rents your car, it's Toro has an insurance policy they have to take in order yeah. to cover it while it's rented. Gotcha. So yeah, it's very easy entry, very appealing. And I, I haven't rented my first car yet. Like, but I'm actually, when I'm traveling, instead of booking a rental car, like I normally do, I actually have been on Toro last night. Like, wait a minute, I'm going to actually get a car on Toro and see how this goes compared to, and actually I found out I'm going to get, I'm going to get a way cooler car um, for like half yeah. the price I would have paid for like a normal car at enterprise. It's crazy. You know, you mentioned Airbnb and that's a very easy transition for my mind to, to take on. And you and so uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where this whole market uh, goes because of, you know, Airbnb is now one of the biggest competitors to hotels. They yeah. own no infrastructure whatsoever. It's just incredible. And most people, 
uh, when you're thinking about vacationing during Airbnb, uh, during Airbnb, during COVID, they're staying at an Airbnb. They're not thinking about, hey, I want to get around a bunch of people I don't know in a hotel. Uh, in this whole uh, Toro seems like it is, it's, it's, it, if it keeps going the way it is and what you're talking about, uh, it will definitely take on the rental car industry as, as the top leader, if it's not already, I don't know enough about it to, to say if it is or not, but that's, that is an incredible piece of advice. Something I was not expecting us to talk about here today. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, me either. <laughs> but Hey, we're, it's all about cash flow, right? And if you can make yeah. it, it turn a liability into an asset, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. All right. I want to go, we talked a lot about social media. You're, you're very active on social media, which I appreciate. Uh, there was a post out there. It says never let that you put out it says never let success get to your head. Never let failure get to your heart. What do you, what do you mean by that? Tough one. It is. Um, and twofold, right? I have a great social media team behind me right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're ripping out of everything I've ever done to come up with stuff and post stuff. So that's the cool part. When people think I'm, I'm not on social media, like I'm probably on social media way less than I ever have been in my life. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. yeah, I have a team, I, right? Which yeah. comes to real estate and cash flow. I have a team that helps to make things, to make me look good. It's not me. It's a whole team, but let's unpack that. Right. So Never let success get to your head, right? That's kill your ego every day, as a friend of mine says, right? It's very easy to think that um, I did something magical, I made money, so I'm amazing, right? And that's letting it get to your head, right? Letting success get to your head. Because here's the thing, like right now, go back to pre-2008 and the guys that were in real estate then, right? Prior to 2008, I was in the mortgage industry back then, um, prior to 2008, you could do anything to make money. Like I was, I was at that age. I was back then. I felt I was filthy rich, had more cars, <laughs> house, made tons of money, cash flow, cash, just sitting all over the place. Um, and same was happening for tons of people in real estate. And if you allowed success to get to your head, this will never end. Right. You start to my ego. I'm amazing. No, you just, you just happened to be doing real estate at the most opportune time to make money. And it was easy to make money. Then 2008 crash happened. And guess what? Most of those people failed. They lost everything. I know millionaires who went bankrupt in that time, right? They were in the middle of, they kept upping their head told them I'm uber successful and anything I do will make me rich. Well, it's not, you know, you didn't pay attention to the market. You're in the middle of a multi-million dollar flip and you lost everything on one deal that you because your your success got to your head so kill your ego daily it's not you look at timing look at other thing if you think that it's you take a step back go meditate breathe on it pray on it whatever you got to do it ain't you just recognize that don't let success get to your head right yeah like social media i'm gonna i'm highly successful on social media but i don't take that to my head my team is highly successful on social media they know what's going on they know how to pivot and keep it going and don't care what level of success and then never let failure get to your heart. Right. The other side of that coin is when we fail, we take that personally. It creates yeah. trauma for a lot of, you know, I'm unpacking, uh, starting to realize through a lot of coaching I'm doing now, I'm unpacking trauma that's created by things like that because we take things personally, even when they're not. And I would say 99% of things that happen um, to us, if we use that word, don't happen to us, they happen for us. 
but we believe that happened to us. And so we take it to our heart, right? And then that creates trauma, which we don't even realize feeds into our brain and limits what we can do in the future um, as a result, because now we're, we're leading with that hurt heart, right? Because if we failed, so I, I live by a mantra now, and it's not mine. I got it from the Navy SEALs, which is fail forward fast. A failure means nothing to me. I actually look forward to failure. Why? Because I'm going to learn something and I can pivot and step in a different direction. If I let it get to my heart, it's going to stop me. I'm not going to do stuff. I'm not going to take actions. I'm going to marinate on that, that hurt for a while, right? Now, some things are much harder. Like if you go through a divorce or a death or like major things like that, they're, they're likely yeah. to hurt your heart really bad. Um, but you have to find a way and it's said, well, you know, in the Bible and things like that, right? Let it go. You have yeah. to find a way to let that go. Cause if you don't, it's handcuffing your heart, which is blocking your brain and you're not getting where you want to go. So that's yeah. the depth I, to that. I wrote that, I wrote that down, fell forward fast. And I hope people who are listening to this or watching this, write this down too. fell forward fast. And it's not happening to us. It's happening for us. And it's that little bit and it's something I'm, I'm learning or tapping into a lot here recently is just the semantic on words and how they can they can mess with your brain. Right. And how they mess with your mindset and how you can just a little bit of trick on words like that right there. Not to us, but for us can keep you in such a positive mindset. It's a uh, very, very, very interesting Um Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was, that was incredible. All right. You, you have a quote. Uh, one of your sayings is all leads suck. What do you mean by that? All right, guys, this appears to be a popular thing for me to interrupt and talk about the W2 Capitalist Mastermind because in the month of April, I opened up five new spots to be filled. They were filled almost instantly. And these were filled by highly motivated, highly qualified folks. And what qualifications you may ask, it's not based on your experience. It's not based on how much money you have in the bank. It's really based on mindset and the way that you find out if you have the right mindset to join us in the W2 Capitalist Mastermind and receive an invite is go to w2capitalist.com forward slash apply. It's w2capitalist.com forward slash A-P-P-L-Y. And I want you to go do that now. Actually, I want you to listen to the rest of this episode and then go apply because I know I'm going to be opening up some more spots real, real soon. I want you at the first of the line because the way that we handle applications, first in, first to get the invite if you pass, right? So w2capitalist.com forward slash apply. But for now, let's get back to it with our special guest, Mr. Robert Seifert. <laughs> uh, I've been asked that a couple times now. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> you know what? It's I'm I'm a con I'm a sales guy, right? Yeah. I've I, I born and bred. I've done ADT door to door sales for alarm systems. Wow. Okay. <laughs> moved into new cities and had to find ways to make money. Sales happens to be the easy way to make money, um, and I've gotten really really good at. It. So I've done tons of tons and tons and tons of sales, right? And the most common thing, especially like look at real estate. If you've ever tried to hire a salesperson or you bought leads from a company, traditionally what happens is, is when you're unsuccessful, you start saying, uh, these leads suck. These leads suck. These, no, they don't. You just suck at sales <laughs> and understanding that leads are nothing more than a metric and a number. And once you understand your metrics and numbers, it leads to closings. And if you can't lead to close, you either have a leads problem or a conversion problem. Most don't have a leads problem, right? It's not hard to generate leads generally. They just believe they all suck because they're not converting. <laughs> they don't have a skill set to convert. And you'll get better over time, right? So 
I, just I feel like I feel like I'm watching Glenn Gary get Glenn Ross right here. So Dan, if you can put up a picture of that, <laughs> that's kind of where it's heading. So you say, yeah. look, all leads suck. Yeah. If you start with the approach, it's play on words and tricking your mind. But if I start with all leads suck, then I can no longer use that excuse for why I'm not closing deals. Now all leads suck. So in that sucking pile of leads, is the gold and the deals that I need. So now I work them and I, I what am I going to say? So it's kind of like a great sales tactic, right? I, I, I love it. I, I hope, I hope it's registering with people listening because you're, you're labeling what it is. All leads suck. Yes, they suck. They absolutely suck. And, but it's your job to sell them on whatever you're providing them, right? If you're wanting to buy their house, if you're wanting to wholesale their house, if you're, you know, if you're trying to do some sub two deals, those leads absolutely suck. Let's just go ahead and label it, get it out of the way, and then get to work. You know what I mean? You can focus on, here's the challenge. If most of the people that say that statement, these leads suck, right, are, are usually they're not the ones that are being successful because the guys that are successful <laughs> don't say that, right? And, and the reason is, is because the ones that aren't successful haven't learned the proper skill, right? They think that it's selling somebody on something. And the challenge in that is that, then you're looking for the low hanging fruit only. So it's not a highly motivated seller. They want to, they want 50 grand for their $150,000 house today than the right. lease. Dude, no one that has got any level of intelligence is going to tell you on the first phone call. Yeah. I only want 50,000 for this $200,000 house. <laughs> very rarely, rarely, rarely happens. Right? So that doesn't mean the leads suck. They do want that, but you have to get to why they want to sell in the first place. And so if and, all leads suck, you'll ask the right questions. There you go. And, and you get it. You started to get on this path just now. You said on that first phone call, right? And I think where a lot of, especially new investors get frustrated, including myself, when I try to get and tap into a new asset or, or not a new asset, but new style of trying to wholesale or find an off market deal, I'll, I'll give them one phone call, maybe one text, maybe one postcard, right? And then I'll give up. Right. But the fortune is in the follow-up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I got to give credit to Chris Jackson for introducing me to that saying, but, um, let me ask you this. Most of our listeners, uh, are W2 capitalists, right? Meaning they're working full-time job inside hustling and still trying to be present for their spouse and, and their children if they have them. So automation is key to scaling their REI business. How does one get their follow-up uh, dialed in so that it is uh, mostly automated because as W2 capitalists, we, we need that, right? We need that automation so that we don't let go of the family life and we don't let go of being successful at our job. What, how do we do that? How do what's one of the things that you've done and implemented to uh, keep to keep it as automated as possible? I will give you a couple um, levels to this, depending on who's listening, right? So from yeah. someone in their W-2 job and they, they feel like they have no money, um, they, they do, but let's just assume they feel like they have no money, right? Well, then the, the simplest automation you're going to be able to do is using your calendar or like Google Calendar or something like that and set a time block once a week, one Love time it. block, one hour or two hours in your calendar that I'm going to do follow-up. And when you do follow up to get the more efficiency out of your time, um, instead of calling everyone, send them all a text. Mm. It's simpler, right? You can hit more people, right. you can copy and paste the message. Very simple. Don't have to put their name in it. So then you can copy and paste what you're sending. And really follow up is nothing more than touching base. People think 
that follow-up has to be this elaborate spelled out thing based on where they came from. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Most I still do that right now. And it, <laughs> there's no problem with it, but I can promise you I have the data to support. It's not necessary. But but my problem, and I overcomplicate, I'm an engineer by trade. I, I overcomplicate things as much as possible. So when I think of follow-up, I think I'm going to, I need to spend an hour and a half with this person talking about said thing. When in reality, if I would just pick up the phone and dial them, it may take 10 or 15 minutes and that's yes. it, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. And, and, um, you know, if I was still working at W2, I, I, I could, I could probably text 10 people in 10 to 15 minutes. So we're not talking about a whole lot of time. It's just no. getting out of my own head and saying, Hey, just, just send them a text. It doesn't really matter what it is about. It's just following up. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, I, you know what? We, we talked a while back. Uh, I'm still buying houses in your area, or I just freed up some more money to buy some more yeah. houses. Are you possibly interested in selling now? And guess what? I don't care if they reply or not. And the reason I pick a text is I don't have to think about it. I then only have to talk <laughs> to people that call me back. If they're ready, they'll call me back or text me back. Yeah. Next week, I'll follow up again or two every two weeks, whatever, but pick a block that you like yeah. every Wednesday between three and five, that's outside of my work schedule. I'm going to do this. That's all yeah. you got to do. Now the next level is get a little money behind that. And you absolutely could have a simple system that could send way more. So you could, in a perfect world, you would send a voicemail, a ringless voicemail drop makes it seem like you left them a voicemail without actually calling them. So again, you're more efficient with your time because your voice is going out and they think you called them, even though you yeah. didn't, you should send text, you send an email if you have their email and maybe once a month or once every couple months, you should send a piece of mail. And the reason I say all four is that if I text, if all I did was text, I'm now more people text today than ever before. So this number is not going to be hundred percent true, but only 25% of the people you send a text to are going to look at it. Yeah. It's not yeah. their favorite form of communication, right? You got to find out what, what they respond to. Right. I was talking yeah. to, uh, um, I'm trying to get my dad to invest in this deal with me. And he is old school guy. Doesn't own a, he, he owns a cell phone. It's a flip phone. It's one of these prepaid phones. My mom makes him carry it with him. Right. Doesn't own a checkbook. I mean, doesn't own a checkbook, doesn't own a credit card, pays for all of his bills and cash, whatnot. And they were down visiting and, and I was just talking to him and I'm like, this is, I'm not getting anywhere with this, but I got to thinking about, he will open up a piece of mail, you know, and I, I got to thinking about this other opportunity I, I stumbled across on, I was talking to this guy, he reminded me of my dad when I was talking to him and whatnot. And so I, he said, Hey, just mail me what you have. And I said, mail you. He goes, yeah, yeah I'm going to hand the phone to my wife. She can give you our address. And I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be an email address. No, he wanted a printed out copy, snail mail thing. So yep. I sent it to the guy and then I followed up with him and we just never could come to terms. I, I need to follow up with him on that. Um, speaking of follow up, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to mail my dad something. So I did. I think it's the first time I've ever mailed my dad something other than like a birthday card. And I put it in this little packet and I sent it to him. And he said, I like the returns, but uh, this one's not for me. And, you know, so, so we're making progress. We're, yes. you know, we're continuing to, to make progress and it's all about the follow up. And, and quite frankly, I'm having conversations with my dad that I've never had before, which is, really exciting. It's really cool. Yeah. You know, although I'm disappointed, he's not going to participate in this deal. It, it is one of those things where uh, we're talking about things. So uh, I finding the point being finding how your uh, potential, I was going to say audience, but your, 
your customer, whoever you're going after, you know, whether it be partners or whether it is someone, a sellers, potential sellers, you've got to find out, you know, what medium they respond to the most efficiently. So that's, you know, if I were to send my dad a text, he'd never get it. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Not his thing, right? I would say two things with your dad that I just heard, right? Number one, obviously send him every deal you have written out. Yeah. He's a <laughs> yeah. visual learner. Yeah. Um, but he's also visual. So talking to him means nothing. Like it means yeah. something, right? But he needs to see it first. You got to see it. Yeah. And then ask him, you may have already done this, but I would ask him, Hey, that totally get it. That's awesome. Uh, glad that you looked at the deal. Um, what would have made the deal attractive to you? Yeah. Cause yeah. then you'll know, a great question. Learn, right. And people should learn that that tactic um, is for your lenders or your buyers that you work with when they don't like something that again, don't take that to your heart. They're not saying they don't like you, which is what we do. We, yeah. think, we <laughs> think we're not loved and we think we're not liked. Right. How do I know? Yeah. Cause I, I'm unpacking and working on those issues of my own. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't think I haven't been dealing with those uh, in the yeah. last 24 hours <laughs> since we, we had that conversation. Have, right. Oh, my dad doesn't love me. My, I, I, I didn't not go, I didn't, yeah, I didn't go that far. It was like, okay. man, what have I got to do to prove to this guy that I know what I'm doing? You How know, cause I, I want his utmost respect. I'm not good yeah. enough. Right. I, I've yeah. got all those. I could, yeah. I could tell you <laughs> full of, full of, um, um, but your buyers are the same way, right? Like, yeah. cause they didn't like that deal. Okay. Awesome. We're, we're, we're going somewhere. So what about it would have made it better for you that you would have said yes. So I can learn how to send you better deals. Yep. And you're helping them, right? You're serving them. How can I serve you better? That, yeah. And that's, as we're having a therapy session here, I feel like that's, that's where I failed with him was like, dad, do you, do you realize what this cash flow could do for you in your retirement future? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't okay. say that. I, I was, I was thinking about that, but I'll, it'll, it's a conversation for another time. All right, Robert, let's wrap up, man. I got, we're going to move to this section called off the wall. Just three, oh, man. three random questions, man. So we can get out of here and get you on your uh, flight for today. Uh, I noticed, and I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but you seem to be very physical fit guy. You, you talk about doing the Murph uh, and doing a CrossFit. I know you're a big CrossFitter. So question number one is what Guinness book, Guinness world record. Do you think you will break in the future? Notice I'm setting you up to commit to this the way that question. Wow. <laughs> um, I, but let, let me give you some examples. All right. Yeah. Most consecutive pinky pull-ups. I can't even do one. Yeah. Me is 36. What? Okay. It's insane. Now, you, you and I kind of have a five o'clock shadow, but most toothpicks in a beard, 3,500. That's the total random one. I don't know why wow. that's even in there. Uh, highest jump on a pogo stick is 11.15 feet. The largest hula hoop spun. I don't know why, why Guinness has all these weird records, but it is, is kind of, we're talking about it. I guess that's the point. want to do it. Yeah. Largest hula hoop spun was 17 feet and one quarter inch. I can't even do a normal one. My hips don't work that way. Yeah. Mine either. Uh, and there was a most with most weight lifted in Atlas stones in one minute. I later came back and that was a female version. I could not find the male version. Uh, and I don't even remember what that was cause I didn't write it down, but what is the Guinness world record, uh, that you're going to break in the future? Most likely none because I, <laughs> I don't think that's a category. <laughs> yeah. I probably won't. I probably won't go find it and go after it as of today. That is, 
even been in my realm. But if I was going to choose one, the only one that pops in my mind is I would I would try to go after knocking David Goggins off of the most pull-ups in a day or whatever the time. Okay. Period. What was it's his insane. number? I don't know. It's thousands. It's an insane yeah. number. But the only reason I would pick that is I have this uh, weird passion for pull-ups right now. Like last year, it was my goal. Like in high school, I never could climb a rope. I couldn't do a pull-up. Okay. So it comes from uh, one of those things I couldn't do and should be able to. So last year, I, I 20 pull-ups was my thing. Like, I'm going to do 20 pull-ups. Um, I but didn't you're get a big there. guy, though. You look. Yeah. You appear to be a big guy. And, and for us big guys... 225 to 240, six foot yeah. three. So, and so I was, we're the same size. I mean, yeah, we're I exactly the same. When I picked the goal, so I, I was able to do one. <laughs> Yeah. When I picked the goal and by the end of the year, I did a 65, I added 65 pounds and did a pull-up and I've done 13, um, strict pull-ups, not kipping or, um, gotcha. that. So the, the Guinness one, I think allows kipping and some other things into it. They're not dead hang. And I just, I remember hearing his story in his book. <laughs> I did and so if I was going to pick one, that that'd be the one I would go after it. It, it would make the most sense. Pull-ups are foundational to everything in your body. One of the, one of the things that I, I did, I can't turn the camera, but hanging on my wall right there above the door is a hangboard, which a lot of rock climbers use to practice and grab yeah. and get uh fingertip strength and forearm strength. If you're not, I don't know why, like I go back to college days where, you know, receivers and defensive backs, we would have trouble catching the ball or whatnot. And it's because our hands were weak or my hands were weak. I don't want to bring my former teammates into this conversation. My hands were weak. And uh, that's why I played defensive back because I couldn't catch. Right. And, but if I had a hanging board back then, if I knew what one of those was. Yep. Different story. Still wouldn't be playing today, but it'd been a different story. (laughs) It would have been. All right. Question number two. Uh, If you could bring one famous person back from the dead, who would you pick and why? For me, the famous person would be Napoleon Hill. And the reason why is I would love to mentor with him on all the knowledge that he put into those books and, and, and be able to physically get that from him. Yeah. He's the, uh, he's the godfather of masterminding, right? That's uh, him. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, you guys are going to hear in a minute, uh, a little ad for the W2 Capitalist Mastermind. So uh, a lot of what we do in there is based off of his material. That That's very it's almost like I just planted that answer for uh, <laughs> for you, but I totally didn't. That that was really no, cool. No, you didn't. <laughs> All right. So I'm focusing on five books this year to master for the next 12 months and the only five I'm going to read and two of them are his. Nice. So, nice. I, I like that. I, I, we, we do one book a month in the mastermind and nice. um, I, I struggle with people who talk about, I, I read one book a week. I'm like, yeah, but, what are you obtaining from that? What are you putting to practice out of, the, out of what you're learning that's, there? It's my challenge. I've read tons and tons of books and I definitely consume to get a lot of information. And there is a benefit to that when you're first doing it. But at some point, like I've reached, it's like I, I'm not implementing half of what I've read and I'm yeah. on the next book. So I'm going to pick five that are core foundational things. If I can master these, I know everything else is going to change. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. Um, what are those five books? Do you know them already? Yeah. Law of success, outwitting the devil. Those are the two Napoleon Hills. It might be more than five. Um, so the two, uh, E-Myth, uh, okay. five love languages and, um, law of success, outwitting the devil, E-Myth, love languages and, um, magic. There might be another one. I think there's a sixth one. Okay. Maybe, maybe it is just those five. I have not heard of outwitting the devil. I need to look that oh. one up. Oh, dude, if you've, that's, 
and give it on audible. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the only way I can consume these guys back here behind me. They're not for look, they're not for show and tell, but if I like a book enough, on audible then i'll buy it so i can highlight some stuff and you know fold the page down I started doing that very limited selection back here though i, I interviewed uh uh bob berg of the go-giver uh a while back and he comes on screen and he's just got this bookcase all over and he goes he goes yeah this is only and i made a comment about how he has a lot more books than i do and <laughs> you know and he was like yeah he goes this is only about a a a tenth of probably what I have in this house. He goes, but let's let's get one thing straight. He goes, you have more rental properties than I do. Like, ah, ah I'll take that. <laughs> That's applied, yeah. applied knowledge is more important than the knowledge, right? That's the yeah. books. But yeah. I, I have a lot of books because I like physical books, but I started doing Audible because I could listen to more books and find out if I like them enough to order the book. That's it. That's it. You'll be, you'll be able to consume a couple or a couple of hours a day on your flight. Right. So I I do, or I do it when during my workouts, but yeah, I read outwitting the devil and someone told me about the audible. The audible is amazing. It's it's an amazing, he wrote it back when he wrote law of success, but it didn't get released until 2011. All right. I'm writing it down. It's outwitting the devil. your mind. (laughs) All right. So third off the wall question, dad jokes, you mentioned your wife and your uh, son earlier. Um, what is the funniest joke you know by heart? Oh man, I don't know any jokes by heart. <laughs> I'm the I'm the worst at this kind of stuff, uh, and I get stupid jokes thrown at me and think they're funny. Um, that's okay. I, that's yeah, that's a I'm dad joke, a, man. <laughs> yeah, the dad joke. I'm I'm the joke of the house. <laughs> I don't have a joke. They say I I just know how to work and talk about business and talk about cash flow and. Yeah, that's all right. We're going to have to work on loosening you up a little bit because I feel like you and I are very similar in a lot of areas. Uh, But I do throw like my six year old and my now four year old is already they're already rolling their eyes. Like when I say stuff, that's just and I'm trying to think of something we did the other day that that really just we were in the kitchen and they're sitting at the countertop eating supper. My wife's standing there and somebody says something and I respond with one of these just off the wall dad dad comments. And everybody just stopped and looked directly at me and they all kind of rolled their eyes at the same time. And then they went back to that's me. Like I was like, Hey, <laughs> that's, that's my, my, we have a 19 year old niece that lives with us. She laughs with my sense of humor that comes out of random nowhere. And my wife, <laughs> the wife looks and says that that was not funny. Like, <laughs> thanks. Love the brutal honesty from your wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. I appreciate that. I <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to be funny. Yeah. I, I am no longer trying. I just know that that's, that's me and that's my sense of humor and they're going to hear it. Cause I feel like I need to practice. <laughs> me too. I'm the same way. If I don't have any jokes that I go to. I just All right. Know. All right. <laughs> next time though, next time I want you to come with now it. I'm gonna, now I'm going to go figure out how to write one down and have it right by me so I can have a joke. <laughs> Never been asked that before, so I was not prepared at all for that one. That's all right. That's all right. Robert, I want to thank you for your time. Really enjoyed the conversation, getting to know you a little better. Uh, hopefully we, we can do this again soon. Uh, just want to encourage the listeners uh, to check out what, you, what all you have going on at realestateinvestor.com. But what is the best place for people to connect with you if they want to reach out? Yeah. So obviously that platform shows you all the tools, services, and coaching that we offer. Um, next best place. If you want to connect with me on social media or anywhere else or directly, just go to I am Rob 
360.com and pick your favorite platform. It'll link you to wherever it is. And I'm, I'm, I communicate in all ways. And I'll make a link to all of those uh, in the show notes as well. Rob, thanks again for being here. Really do appreciate it. Safe travels to you, sir. And I hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right, we're out. I'm going to leave it recording just in case something comes up. But man, I, I, uh, I hate saying honestly, because I'm, I don't want people to get the impression that I'm lying to them at times, but uh, really enjoyed the conversation, man. It was very, very nice. Glad we're able to finally do this and connect and, yes. and a lot of, lot of really good nuggets in there. So thank you for that. Um, this is probably, uh, probably four or five weeks out, but I'll let you know when it comes out and you can forward it to your team. I'm interested to learn about your team and kind of what all they do. I, I had some folks doing some stuff for me. And it wasn't producing the results I was hoping to, but we can, that can be a conversation at a time. So I've, I've had that too. So yeah, I've, I've hired teams that did not, and you can actually, if you really like dialed into my Instagram specifically, you would be able to tell when there was a shift in the team too. Okay. Um, because there's, there's, there's definitely the shift of myself. To, right. And looking a little bit more classy and professional. Um, and then there's, you can tell there's definitely a whole nother shift that took it to a whole nother level. And I, and I just found, I found the right team and my, my niece is actually part of the team. So like having people around you, if you have that possible, um, especially younger, right. They, they love yeah. social media. Like she's learning how to edit videos in two seconds on her phone and learning, trying to create content from my stuff. So there's a guy named Josh yeah. Culler who's really, really good. Um, at that. So you may want to check him out at this like REI marketing or something like that. I've okay. not personally hired him, but what he's really good at is like he, so he is actually launching a book right now. And the, all the book is, is a compilation of his podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Turned the whole thing into a book. And he, and he turned all of his podcasts into like, he, so he could take what you've done in podcasting, turn it into a book, turn it into content across all your social medias. And so now, because all they do is take it and chop it up in a little, oh, here's a picture, here's a post, here's a 30 second yep. clip of the reel on Instagram. And then here's one that we could format for YouTube. And so like, that's all you really, really need is someone that can, that understands that, right? Yeah. And that's, I now have the right team. Um, and yeah, they don't, it, it, it's real, their name's real agency, but they're newer. They're not newer though, but that, that name is, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that they're taking on, uh, how, if they take on more clients or not, but they, so they run all my content. Nice. And I do, nice. I'm doing way more with them now because I've been impressed so far. Like they're, they're doing well. So you're definitely seeing the ROI on it though. You know, the, the uh, I, yes and no. Um, yes, because I know it's a long game, right? You you can that look at this grant Cardone or a Gary V and they'll be the first to tell you, look, end of the day, you don't have to hire someone to do this, right? It's just, it right. is, it's, it is content. It's consistent, it's consistent content. And so someone like a Josh Kohler could simply take all the podcasts you've done and probably give you months to a year's worth of content. And then it just has to be put into a program to post it. Post right? it could yeah. be as simple as that, because I've found it's, it's more about being there consistently so that yeah. your audience continues to be attracted to it because once you're inconsistent, they, they start going away. Right. Like, yeah. so, but like the, the upgrade this team did, they started doing really, really well. And like, so they were doing two posts a day on Instagram. I'm like, I can't pump that kind of, that's a lot of work. 
Um, they're like, well, go make us a bunch of 30 second videos. Like, all right, tell me what you want me to talk about. <laughs> I did that. And then they used that. And then now, like, because I get it, the ROI is in, 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 uh, the first focus you have to go into it is, uh, uh with, with, with short-term, no ROI plans in sight, the first goal should be getting people to connect with you, which grows your eyeballs, right? I heard it well in this mastermind of minutes, the Utah group I'm part of now. Um, he said, he said, dude, it's, business is this simple. You need eyeballs, opportunity, and then you got to present opportunities. That's it. That's business. I'm like, that's, that's, uh, that's a very it's about simple as simple as you can make it. And it totally yeah, makes sense. <laughs> He's like, dude, social media. So social media is nothing more than how do I continue to bring all the eyeballs to me? Yeah. And then it doesn't matter what I do throughout life. I then just present them opportunities to buy something that connects yeah. with what I like to do. That's how you monetize it. But you got to get the eyeballs first. So the yeah, ROI I, is the eyeballs. I don't like social media. No, it's hard. It's, uh, that's why I, I, I someone. Yeah. I got well, on there. Like I, I, I get it. I, um, I mean, I have a technology background and I, I get a, a lot of how it works. I just, you know, a couple of, um, no, starting this year, starting this year, I was like, you know what, you're going to, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes and the features on the phone, you know, allow for this to happen 30 minutes a day yep. for me to get on social media. And there's no scroll link. I, I get on there. I, I I'll make a post. I'll see who's commented and, you know, re-engage with them. That's it. There is no, I don't know. You can hire someone to do that. <laughs> I, mean, I, niece, I think that's the next. My niece does all of my commenting on everything. Nice. Now the good thing is she lives with me. So she's, she, me she's yeah. <laughs> I've had, I've had bad experiences where the first company I hired, they were posting decent stuff. And their VA was commenting and I'd go back and be like, delete, delete, delete. I wouldn't say <laughs> that's horrible. That's not me. Right. So that was yeah. the first challenge. And then I figured out like, no, I need, I need someone that is going to know me and be able to do that. Um, cause yeah. it can't be, cause that becomes too time. It, it turns into, and social media, if you've never watched the, the movie on uh, Netflix, social dilemma, yeah, like uh, they didn't mean for this to happen. But they are so good about keeping you hooked on the page and they, they send you and pop up things intentionally to get you to go scroll and to go somewhere else. Like, yeah. like it feeds something in your brain. It was meant to be good, but it's actually ended up as a really bad thing. Um, yeah. yeah. If you watch Social Dilemma, you may actually not want to be on social media. <laughs> I, I have not watched that. Um, I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, your engineering um, brain will say my kids will never touch a phone. I hate when he looks at our phones, honestly, because of what I watched. Like he can't, there's no way he won't have a phone. We're going to go outside and play. He's I've, he has a tablet and I tried my best to keep him off of certain things. Like he has, there's right. no, he ain't going to have social media. Like there's no way. I'll yeah. I think, I don't know. We'll see when, when our kids get older, what social media looks like, but I, I pretty, um, I don't know. Is it a fad? Is it like a 20 year old fad? Mm -mm. I think it's no. going to get, I think it's going to get way. If you watch social dilemma and you'll appreciate it from it, cause I'm, I'm like analytical engineer minded. I'm actually fight it. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you watch that and it's the engineers behind 
the Facebooks, the Googles, the Twitters, and and showing you where this is headed and that it's it's learning so fast now and it's getting so good at what it does. The problem is they they created it to create connection and social thing. And the opposite is what's occurring because it's learned so fast. They never, they engineeringly never thought of the flip side of what could happen from this. Mm. And so now you're watching like there's very compelling data to show you that suicides, um, uh, young 10 year old kids being like mentally destroyed because of social media. Now they want to filter their face. They're not happy with who they are. Oh, I gotcha. Right. So it's like weird stuff like that. And the algorithm of these softwares, because it's made to make money, like down to, they know if I can get this guy to watch this video for 10 seconds, then I can pop an ad because we make mm-hmm. 2.5 cents per second viewed on this ad. Right. So, and, and they have massive learning machines and AI behind that. So it's only going to continue to go down that unless someone comes in and regulates. So social dilemma, the, like the engineers behind it are now pushing for an agenda to um, like heavily start figuring out how to regulate social mm. media. But I don't know. You're talking about some mega powerhouses and some mega money. Yeah, that's going to be. It's not going to be like regulating them like that. They're, and they're in there with big money saying, yeah, we can regulate ourselves. We can do the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. It, it doesn't work. I, I watched this video the other day about. Um, well, it was, it was a coaching video about uh, building confidence and charisma and whatnot. And it was talking about, they showed an example of somebody who's trying to, like when you open your palms up to the audience or whoever you're talking to, it says, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not a threat. I'm, this is just one of those mm-hmm. uh, nonverbal signals that when you do like this, that you say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm a friendly person, right? I, I'm doing this. And then he said, now let's, let's focus on somebody who never shows you the palm of of his hands. And it was a picture, it was a video of Mark Zuckerberg and he's sitting there with his hands clenched like this. And if you think about it, you've never, never seen him. And it was talking about when you do, when you do this, you're showing that you have nothing to hide, but when you do this and you always do this, what's your secret? Yeah. what, What are you, what are you hiding? And it was, it was a very, it was like, Aha, uh-huh, I got it. It was interesting. It was definitely interesting. But and people Robert, don't I feel like I talk I could talk to you all day, man, and, and about just the most random stuff. So uh, but I don't want to do that. I'm gonna look up and it's gonna be 10 o'clock, and you're like, I should have left to go to my flight already. <laughs> so uh, but thank you again. I really do appreciate it. I'll let you know when this comes out and, and hopefully we can connect sometime in the near future for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to let you know when I get my first Toro uh, booked. I like it. I'm about to book one uh, here in the next hour, a couple hours, but I'm, I'm nice. literally waiting for the news on my financing for a couple cars right now. So that's awesome. That's I'll be, awesome. I'm excited uh, for the potential. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. But uh, definitely an eye opening um, conversation for sure. So thank you. Thank you for that. I might have a little small car lot here pretty soon because of that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I think is going to happen here at my house. Uh, <laughs> it'll expand to a lot if it works the way it's looking like it should. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. I will talk to you soon. Definitely take it easy. See you, man. Thanks, Jay.
All right, guys, thank you for sticking around to the very end. Now you may go apply for the mastermind. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Actually, if you want to know, now is a good time to do this. And let me give you that link one more time. It's w2capitalist.com forward slash apply. w2capitalist.com forward slash A-P-P-L-Y. If you already know somebody in the mastermind, you have a better chance of getting in. So make sure you note that on your application. Again, that link is w2capitalist.com forward slash A-P-P. L-Y. Hopefully, I will see you on the inside. Earn, invest, repeat.